Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Are you guys ready for another podcast that Peyton's going to fall asleep in? No. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Okay. Good, good, great. A series of unfortunate events. Book the fourth, The Miserable Mill, Chapter Three. Morning is an important time of day because how you spend your morning can often tell you what kind of day you're going to have. For instance, if you wake up to the sound of twittering birds and find yourself in an enormous canopy bed with a butler standing next to you holding breakfast of freshly made muffins and hand-squeezed orange juice on a silver tray, you will know that your day will be a splendid one. If you wake up next to the sound of church bells and find yourself fairly big regular bed with a butler standing next to you holding out breakfast of hot tea and toast on a plate you will know that your day will be okay and if you wake up to the sound of somebody banging two metal pots together and find yourself in a small bunk bed with a nasty foreman standing in the doorway holding breakfast all at you hollering oh holding no breakfast at you oh my gosh you will know that your day will be horrid You and I, of course, cannot be too surprised that the Baudelaire orphan's first day at Lucky Smells Lumber Mill was a horrid one. And the Baudelaire's certainly did not expect twittering birds or a butler, not after the dismay arrival. But never in their most uneasy dreams did they expect the... Oh gosh, here's another word I don't know. Caco... Cacophony... A word here which means the sound of two metal pots being banged together by a nasty foreman standing in the doorway holding no breakfast at all. That awoke them. Get up, you lazy, smelly things, he cried. And he cried in an old sounding in an odd sounding voice. He spoke as if he were covering his mouth with his hands. Time for work, everyone. There's a new shipment of logs just being waited just waiting to be made into lumber. And the children sat up and rubbed their eyes all around them. The employees of the Lucky Smells Lumber Mill were standing, stretching, and covering their ears to the sound of the pots. Phil, who was already up and making his bunk neatly, gave the Baudelaire's a tired smile. Good morning, Baudelaire's, Phil said, and good morning, Foreman Flacutano. I couldn't find how how to pronounce that, by the way. Flacutano. May I introduce you to the three newest employees, Foreman, Flacatano, this is Violet Klaus, and Sunny Baudelaire. I heard we had some new workers, said the foreman, dropping the pots to the floor with a clatter, but nobody told me they'd be midgets. We're not midgets, Violet explained. We're children. Children, midgets, what do I care? Foreman Flacatano said in his muffled voice, walking over to the orphan's bunk. All I care is that you get out of bed this instant and go straight to the mill. The Baudelaire's hopped out of the bunk, not wanting to anger the man who banged the pots together instead of saying good morning. But once they got a good look at Foreman Flocktuano, oh my god, this is going to be a hard one. How do you say it, Peyton? Flocktuano? Let me see. Well, you don't remember from the movies? Flocktuano. 
Flacutano. 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 I don't know. What's the name? It's right there. Look. Flacutano. Hold on. Flacutano. Flacutano. <laughs> they wanted to hop back in their bunks and pull the covers over their heads. I'm sure that you'll have heard that this is that appearance does not matter much and that it is what's inside that counts. This is, of course, utter nonsense. Because if it were true, then people who were good on the inside would never have to comb their hair or take a bath, and the whole world would smell even worse because you can often tell a lot about people by how looking at them and how they present themselves. And it was the way Foreman Flacatano presented himself that made the orphans jump back onto their bunks. He was wearing a stained overalls, which never makes a good first impression, and his shoes were taped up, taped shut instead of being tied with laces. But it was the foreman's head that was most unpleasant. Foreman Flacutano was bald, as bald as an egg, but rather than admit he was bald, like the sensible people do, he had purchased a curly white wig that made him look like he had a bunch of large dead worms all over his head. Some of the warm hairs stuck straight up, and some of them curled off to one side, and some of them ran down his ears and over his forehead, and a few of them stretched out ahead as if they wanted to escape Foreman Flacutano's scalp. Below his wig was a pair of dark, beady eyes, which blinked at the orphans in the most unpleasant way. As for the rest of his face, it was impossible to tell what he looked like because it was covered with a cloth mask, such as a doctor's wear as they are in hospitals. Foreman Flacutano's nose was all curled up under the mask like an elevator hiding in the mud, and when he spoke, the Baudelaire's could see his mouth opening and closing behind the cloth. It is perfectly proper to wear these masks in hospitals and, of course, to stop the spreading of germs, but... It makes no sense if you're the foreman at Lucky Smells Lumber Mill. The only reason Foreman Flacatano could have for wearing a mask would be to frighten people, and as if he peered down at the Baudelaire orphans, they were quite, quite frightened indeed. The first thing you can do, Baudelaire's, said Foreman Flacatano, said, is pick up my pots and never make me drop them again. But we didn't make you drop them, Klaus said. Bram, Sonny added, which probably meant something like, and our last name is Baudelaire. If you don't pick up this, those pots this instant, Foreman Flocatano said, you will get no chewing gum for lunch. The Baudelaire orphans did not care much for chewing gum, particularly peppermint chewing gum, which they were all allergic to. But they ran to the pots. Violet picked one up as Sonny picked up the other, while Klaus hurried back to the beds. Give them to me, Foreman Flacatano snapped, and he grabbed the pots out of the girls' hands. Now, workers, we've wasted enough time already. Go to the mills. Logs are waiting for us. I hate log days, one of the employers, employees grumbled. But everyone followed Mr. Foreman Flacatano out of the dormitory and across the dirty floored courtyard to the lumber mill, which was, which was a dull gray building with many smokestacks sticking out of the top like a porcupine's quill. The three children looked at one another worriedly. 
except for one summer day back when their parents were still alive, when the Baudelaire's had opened a lemonade stand in front of their house. The orphans had never had jobs, and they were nervous. The Baudelaire's followed Florman Flocatano into the lumber mill and saw that this was all a huge room filled with enormous machines. Violet looked at a sunny steel machine with a pair of steel pinchers like the arms of a crab and tried to figure out how this invention worked. Klaus exclaimed, a machine that looked like a birdcage with an enormous ball of strings trapped inside and tried to remember what he had read about lumber mills. Sonny stared at a rusty, creaky-looking machine that had a circular saw blade and that looked quite jagged and fearsome and wondered if it ever it was sharper than her own teeth. On, and all three Baudelaire's gazed at the machine covered in tiny smokestacks that held a huge flat stone up in the air and all wondered what in the world it was doing up there. The Baudelaire's had only a few seconds to be curious about these machines, however, before Foreman Flocatano began clanging in with his pots and barking out orders. The logs, he shouted, turn the pincher machine and get started with the logs. Bill ran to the pincher machine and pressed an orange button on it. With a rough whistling noise, the pinchers opened and he stretched towards the far wall of the lumber mill. The two orphans had been so curious about the machines that they hadn't even noticed the huge pile of trees that were stacked, leaves and roots and all, along one wall of the lumber mill as if a giant had simply torn a small forest out of the ground and dropped them into the room. The pinchers picked up the trees on top of the stacks and began lowering them into the ground while Foreman Flocatano banged his pots together and shouted, The debarkers! The debarkers! Another employee walked to the back of the corner room where there was a stack of tiny green boxes and a pile of flat metal rectangles as long and as thin as an eel adult. Without a word, she picked up that pile of rectangles and began distributing them to the workers. Take a new barker, she whispered to the children, one each. Oh my gosh, this just sounds miserable. The children each took a rectangle and stood there, confused and hungry. Just as the tree touched the ground, Foreman Flucatano clanged his pots together again, and the employees crowded around the tree and began scraping against with their debarkers. Filing the bark off of each tree as you or I might file our nails. You two midgets, the foreman shouted, the, and the children found room among the adults and scraped away at the tree. Phil had described the, the rigors of working at the lumber mill, and it had certainly sounded difficult, but as you remember, Phil was an optimist, so the actual work turned out to be much, much worse. For one thing, the debarkers were adult size, and it was difficult for the children to use them. Sunny could scarcely lift her debarker at all, so she used her teeth instead. But Violet and Klaus had, but Violet and Klaus had teeth of only average sharpness and struggled with the debarker. The three children scraped and scraped, but only tiny pieces of bark fell from the tree. For another thing, the children had not eaten any breakfast, and the morning wore on them as they were so hungry that it was difficult <clears throat> for them to even lift the debarker. 
let alone scrape it against the tree. And for one more thing, once a tree was finally cleared off the bark, the pinchers would drop one another onto the ground and they would have to start all over again, which was extremely boring. But for the worst thing of all, the noise at Lucky Smell's lumber mill was simply deafening. The debarkers made their displeasing scraping sounds as they dragged across the trees. The pinchers made their rough whistling noises as they picked up logs. And Foreman Flocatano made his horrendous clanging noise as he banged the pots together. The orphans grew exhausted and frustrated. Their stomachs hurt and their ears rang and they were unbelievably bored. Finally, as the employees finished their 14th log, Foreman Flocatano banged his pots together and shouted, Lunch break! The workers stopped scraping and the pinchers stopped whistling and everyone sat down, exhausted on the ground. Foreman Flocatano threw his pots on the floor and walked over to the tiny green boxes and grabbed one. Opening it with a rip, he began to toss pink squares at the workers, one each. You have five minutes for lunch, he shouted, using three pink squares to the children. The Baudelaire's could see the damp patch that had appeared in his surgical mouth from, on his surgical mask from spit flying out of his mouth as he gave orders. Just five minutes! Violet looked at the damp patch on the mask to the pink square in her hand, and for a second she didn't believe what she was looking at. It's gum, she said. This is gum. Klaus looked from his sister's square to his own. Gum isn't lunch, he cried. Gum isn't even a snack. Tonko, Sunny shrieked, which meant something along the lines of, and babies shouldn't even have gum because they could choke on it. You'd better eat your gum, Phil said, moving over next to the children. It's not very filling, but it's the only thing they'll let you have until dinner time. Well, maybe we can get up a little earlier tomorrow, Violet said, and make some sandwiches. We don't have sandwich-making ingredients, Phil said. We just get one meal, usually a casserole, every evening. Well, maybe we can go into town and buy some ingredients, Klaus said. I wish we could, said Phil, but we don't have any money. Well, what about your wages, Violet said. Surely you can spend some of your own money on sandwich ingredients. Phil gave the children a sad smile and reached into his pockets. At Lucky Smells Lumber Mill, he said, bringing out a bunch of tiny scrapes of paper. They don't pay us in money. They pay us in coupons. See, here's what we all earned yesterday. 20 cents per off of a shampoo at Sam's Haircutting Palace. And the day before that, we earned this coupon for a free refill on iced tea. Last week, we earned this one. Buy two banjos, get one free. The trouble is, we can't buy two banjos because we don't have anything to buy with these coupons. Nell knew, Sunny shrieked, but Foreman Flucatano began banging his pots together before anyone could realize what she meant. Lunch is over, he shouted. Back to work, everyone. Everyone except for you, butt-a-lamps. The boss wants you in his office right away. The three siblings put down their debarkers and looked at one another. They had been working so hard that they had almost forgotten about meeting their guardian, whatever his name was. What sort of man would force small children to work in a lumber mill? What sort of man would hire a monster like Foreman Flocatano? And what sort of man would pay his employees in coupons or feed them only gum? 
foreman Flaccatano banged his pots together and pointed at the door to the children to step out of the noisy room into the quiet courtyard. Klaus took the map out of his pocket and pointed pointed the way to the office with each step of the orphan and raised a small cloud of dirt that matched the clouds of dread hovering over them. Their bodies arched from the morning's work and they had an uneasy feeling in their stomachs. As they had guessed from their way, the way their day began, the three children were having a bad day. But as they got closer and closer to the office, they wondered if their day was about to get even worse. Well, as I guessed, Peyton is asleep. I'm asleep. Oh, you're, oh my gosh, she's awake. Do you know what just happened? Mm. What just happened in the book? Mm. Yeah, she doesn't know. Yeah, that's right. 